You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And here's your host, Aram Layton. This is Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a minor league play-by-play broadcaster as well as a prospect analyst and writer. And in this episode, we're going to be continuing the Farm System Rundown series, this time with the Chicago Cubs. It'll be a two-part episode in this part one here, talking about the blue chippers at the top of the system. And then in part two, that's going to be a fun one too because we have some diamonds in the rough in the Cubs system and also some solid prospects that have been acquired in recent trades. I had gone over some of those trades in the past on some previous episodes, but I will dive deeper into the analysis on some of those prospects as well in part two that will be out in the next episode as well. But in this part one, I wanted to talk about the most exciting guys in this Cubs system and really at the top of the system, there are some of my favorite prospects in baseball. We talk about Braylon Marquez. We talk about Brennan Davis. Those are two guys I'm incredibly high on heading into this 2021 season, both in a little bit different kinds of situations, and I'm excited to get into it. So I'll start with my number one prospect in the system. It's Braylon Marquez, which I don't think surprises anybody, but I will tell you, it is a little bit closer, for me at least, than you may think. Brennan Davis, I'm incredibly high on. I'm going to save the whole spew on Brennan Davis in just a moment here, but let's start with Marquez, six foot four, 185-pound lefty that maybe has some of the most effortless velocity that I've seen in the minor leagues. Really just easy, easy velo, can run it up to 102 from the left side, probably one of the hardest-throwing left-handed pitchers, if not the hardest-throwing left-handed pitcher in all of the minor leagues, and really has some solid secondary stuff. I'd like to see that slider take that next step this coming season, but it seemed to be improved from what the reports were from the alternate training set because he wanted to separate the chain, the, or excuse me, the slider and the curveball a little bit more, so the slider is more of a hard pitch, and when I looked at limited video, but what I was able to see, and even in his rough one outing in his big league debut, he was able to tunnel that slider a little bit better. And I think that pitch could ultimately be a plus pitch for him at the major league level because of that impressive tunneling and just the upper 90s triple digit fastball that he can work off of. The changeup, also a pitch that seems to get better every time I watch him. Literally from start to start, it seemed like that pitch got better and better. The real question with Marquez is the command, but the changeup as well, when he doesn't drop the arm at all, when he repeats that arm angle, it is really, really tough for right-handed hitters to be able to pick up and to be able to hit when he locates it well. But for Marquez, it all starts with that fastball, which is an 80-grade pitch. It really is an 80-grade pitch. There's no way around that. And that's where it all starts. It's the command of the fastball. But when I watch Marquez's starts, it seems like, especially out of the windup, I actually like him more out of the stretch because out of the windup, it seems that his arm tends to lag behind his body. And while he still is able to generate that effortless velo, he tends to miss arm side as a lefty. So it would be away from right-handed hitters 
because of that arm drag a little bit. And it's a good thing to an extent. He hides the ball well, and that's where you get the fastball that sneaks up on left-handed hitters and the changeup that's hard to pick up for right-handed hitters because of the way he's able to hide the ball. But it gets to a point where if your arm is lagging too much, you're going to have some inconsistencies with your release point, and you're going to end up either missing arm side or tugging back across the other way to try to compensate for it. And Marquez has had some struggles with command. In his last full season, he walked 50 in 93 innings. You know, that's not what you want to see, but he did also punch out 128 batters. So the strikeout numbers, you know they're going to be there. The command, it's going to need to get better and better. Right now, there is a lot of room for improvement in that regard, but it seems like just a little mechanical adjustment can do that for him because he does throw such effortless velo. He throws such effortless gas that he doesn't need to do too much with his mechanics. He doesn't need to really have too much movement with his body to be able to get that extra mile per hour or two or just to be able to blow it by, guys. It's pretty simple, and I think if he can hone in on that and even just going out of the stretch if he has to, worst-case scenario, I know you generally don't see that as a starter, but he's good enough where I think if that's what works for him, that's not the worst thing in the world. He's 6'4", 185 with long limbs, so timing all of that up seems to be a bit difficult for him out of the windup, but I'm very excited to see what he's going to do in this full season, and I think at the time at the alternate training site and the just opportunity to face major league hitters, to work with big league coaches, and continue to refine those mechanics should help him very much, and it did help him improve that slider and give him a separate curveball, which is not a great pitch, probably about an average pitch, but it gives him another look and it's a good get me over type of pitch backwards option for him where he can float that curveball in against lefties or righties to just throw hitters off a little bit. I think everybody's going to be sitting dead red on that triple digits fastball and it's a good way to just throw people off of your trail a little bit with the already above average changeup and the, I think, plus slider at this point. As I said earlier, the changeup is average, but it gets better and better. And as his command improves with the fastball, I think the changeup will play up whether the sheer pitch quality improves. If the individual pitch quality of the changeup remains kind of stagnant, which is possible, it's not a big deal because the fastball improvement and the fastball command improvement will allow that pitch to play up. And you pair that with the tunneling, the pitch will be good enough for him, especially against right-handed hitters. It's just the command. Can he continue to get better with that? Can the changeup continue to get better? And will the slider be that X-factor pitch for him that it seems to get better and better for him? Will be devastating to left-handed hitters if he can continue to hone in on that slider. I'm incredibly high on Marquez. Top 50 prospect for me in baseball, maybe even better. When I come out with my top 100 for the website I will soon be launching, he will no doubt be in that top 50 probably have him in the top 40 because of the effortless velocity. He's not even 22 years old yet. He's actually 22 in four days. So happy almost birthday to Braylon Marquez. Very much looking forward to see what he can do in this upcoming season. Next up, Brennan Davis, another guy that's 6'4", about 180, 175 pounds. And Davis, man, do I like this guy. The more I watch of his video from past season, from this past season, the more that I hear about what he was doing at the alternate training site from some sources and from some people that have been able to see him up close or play with him, everybody is saying, look out for Brennan Davis. And I don't blame them. 
He is a different player than from when he was drafted in the second round. He was already a very projectable player when he was drafted in the second round in 2018 out of Gilbert, Arizona, but he is a different player now. And the reason why is he has added strength and he has made his swing so much more quick, compact, and efficient. He's also a long and lanky guy at six foot four with long arms and seemed to just be quite long to the ball and not use his lower half. I think the natural extension he was able to get, he was able to backspin balls against lower velocity in the high school ranks in Arizona, which is not the toughest competition in the country at all by any stretch either. So he was able to get away with a bit of an armsy swing when you compare his swing before to his swing now, and it wasn't going to translate at the professional level. I think he realized that, and he made some really good adjustments paired with filling out and getting stronger. You can just see his lower half from high school to now where his legs are much, much stronger and thicker, and he also is using them much better too. Before, it was more of that armsy swing, as I mentioned. Now he really gets into that back hip, and he drives the ball and uses the ground to generate power. You pair that with a much more compact swing and a much more efficient and repeatable swing, and it's no surprise that he had a phenomenal stretch in A-ball with just over 50 games. He slashed 305, 381, 525, eight home runs, an 18% K rate, 9% walk rate, good for a 160 WRC+. The strikeout rate I expect to remain pretty low throughout his minor league career with this new and improved swing because he is so short and quick to the ball and his body control for a guy that is six foot four is impeccable compared to most young players with that much length to them. He reminds me of Alec Bohm in the respect that a tall, long guy that has the body control of a smaller, more compact player. That is hard to find, and that is a testament to the guy's athleticism and just body awareness that will help him hit through the higher levels. I expect him to continue to just be a consistent player. I don't think he's going to have too much of a learning curve or that moment where he gets to high A and the numbers take a hit and you got to deal with some growing pains with high school guys that you typically see or to double A where they hit that wall a little bit. I'm sure he'll run into some difficulties here and there, but I expect Davis to be somewhat of a fast climber for a high school guy. Such effortless power to all fields because he's able to let the ball get so much deeper now. I bet you, I would have no doubt if you talk to him, he's probably thinking how much easier it is now that he is so much shorter to the ball that he probably has so much more time to hit. I talked to so many hitters that make that adjustment after not having the body control and being longer to the ball. They're like, I feel like I have an eternity to hit now. And you could see it with Davis. That's why he was so comfortable crushing balls the other way, hitting the ball essentially out of the catcher's mitt because he trusted that he wasn't going to get beat by anything hard and he wasn't going to get beat if he was a little bit fooled because he could keep those hands back and adjust. And he has really, really good bat speed. I I think people are underselling this guy's raw power and game power already. I think when you look at some of the grades across the industry, they are underselling this guy. Eight home runs in the 50 games is good, but I think it's going to continue to improve because of how effortless the power is to all fields and his natural lift that he's able to get on the ball. When we look at his athleticism, he's a plus runner. We haven't seen it make its way into the base paths yet. Only stole four bags, 
but it's early for him, and it's a big adjustment in terms of getting jumps compared to high school and pro ball. We'll see if the stolen bases can start to become a, an asset for him because that's just icing on the cake. But right now, the speed helps him big time in center field because he doesn't take the most efficient routes from what I've watched, but he does have great recovery speed. And as he continues to improve with his routes and his reads, he has an above average arm and he is quick enough that I think he can be an above average center fielder with more than above average offensive production from somebody up the middle in the outfield. I see 30 home run potential from him and I see five tool potential. This is a guy that could easily be a perennial all-star if it all works out. And I'm incredibly high on Brennan Davis, definitely will be in my top 50 as well. So look at that, two top 50 prospects for the Cubs. And a guy that I just think evaluators and the scouting industry, whether it's Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, Fangraphs, whatever it may be, they're a little bit too hesitant to jump on the solid performance in A-ball, but it's beyond that. It's what he is showing physically, what he was able to improve upon at the alternate training site. His performance against Major League Caliber arms on a daily basis at that alternate training site where he got more than 100 at-bats against upper-level minor leaguers or high-end draft picks that are also getting that experience and major league veterans that were spending time at the alternate training site. That's invaluable what he was able to do there and how he was able to develop. And what I've heard from how he looked there was nothing but rave reviews on him. So I think that we got to be a little bit more willing to go out on a limb and upgrade a guy like Brennan Davis, even though he has not shown too much of a track record. He's got to be in the top 50. I think it's ridiculous not to have him in the top 50 with the athleticism that he boasts with the swing improvements and what he has been able to show and all that I'm hearing, no doubt a top 50 prospect in baseball, really excited about Brennan Davis. I will discuss Miguel Amaya and Ed Howard in just a moment here, but a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, 18 delicious flavors. They all taste like a dessert and they are all covered in chocolate, easy to chew, great for a keto diet. They are low in fat, low in carbs, low in sugar, high in protein. What else would you want out of a protein bar? My favorite is peanut butter, but they've got chocolate mint brownie. They've got basically any lemon almond cheesecake, any dessert you can imagine. They've got a flavor for it, and they are all delicious. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag, the only online sports book we trust here at Locked On. And what a time to get in on the action. We have the Super Bowl just a couple weeks away here. NBA season well underway, college basketball underway. We have the NHL season that has just started as well. Baseball, not too far away. Pitchers and catchers report in a couple weeks, but you can place your future bets if you got some ideas of who you think may win the World Series this year or who might win the MVP or, of course, who might win the Rookie of the Year Award for the National League or the American League, which you know I'll have an episode on in the coming weeks. But don't sit on the sideline anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use a promo code locked on, which will get you a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, you get an extra $50 on top of that, which is the best offer any of our advertisers are giving. A 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code locked on. 
Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now let's get back into the baseball breakdown here of this Chicago Cubs farm system. Another player that is solidified in the top 100, probably more towards the 70 range, I would say. Maybe a little bit further back, but definitely well inside the top 100 for this upcoming year as well. So just like that, three top 100s for the Cubs who have a sneaky good system at the top. Amaya, a catching prospect, $1 million signed out of Panama in 2015, also 21 years old, just like Brennan Davis and Braylon Marquez for another four days. And Amaya, very interesting prospect all around, a well-rounded catcher, pretty big guy, but moves well for a larger catcher at 6'2", 230 pounds. Another guy who went to the alternate training site and really benefited from the experience. The Cubs weren't as worried about his offensive profile, though he did get a lot of experience getting those at-bats as well. But a big focus for him at the ATS was just focus calling games, but also receiving and his framing, which had made major strides in the time at the alternate training site, according to the Cubs. And that is a great sign because that was one of the little things that was lagging behind for Amaya because overall, a very good offensive profile for a catcher. He has a good arm. He is quick with his hands. Throughout 35% of base runners in high A in 2019 is one of the younger catchers in the league and put together a pretty solid offensive season. 235, 351, 402 slash line, 11 home runs. 57 driven in and a 122 WRC plus that was in high A back in 2019. And I think he was unlucky. 259 BABIP was well below the historic numbers for him through the minor leagues. But on the flip side of that, he also posted the highest ground ball rate he had in his minor league career at 46% in that season, which is a little bit of a problem if you want him to tap into his power as much as he can, because I do see 20 plus home run power out of Amaya if he's able to hit the ball in the air more frequently, because when he does hit the ball in the air, it's pretty effortless backspin and carry. He's got a very quick bat, stays through the zone for a long time, and he squares baseballs up just flat out. I'd like to see him get in the air a little bit more, as I said, because of that easy backspin he's able to generate when he does get it up, where that's going to translate into home runs, especially with the big league baseballs that already carry a bit better than the average minor league ball. Also, though, a big thing that will help catapult Amaya and his hit tool, while he may not hit for a huge batting average and will probably be more in the 250 range, he will walk at a high clip. He has his entire minor league career and had the highest walk rate at high A in 2019, walking more than 13% of the time, something that will definitely take some pressure off of the bat. He doesn't come with major swing and miss issues. He has a good feel for the strike zone, above average defender, and has a feel for some power when he's going right. He has some similarities there with Wilson Contreras. I'd say the difference is Contreras had a bit of a better feel to hit, while Amaya walks at a better rate. So I don't think it's absolutely outlandish to hope for that kind of profile out of Amaya long-term. Still only 21 years old. I saw fan graphs say that they're not sure he can tap into his power totally. Uh, screw that. He's 21 years old and already showed a feel to be able to hit 11 home runs in less than 100 games at the high A level. I will bet that he will be able to tap into 20 home runs if he continues on this trajectory onto the major leagues. 
Still only 20 years old. Why are we putting ceilings on guys? Which is going to lead me into Ed Howard in a moment. But while Amaya may not have the ceiling of a perennial all-star catcher, I do think that he has the ceiling of a multiple all-star, very solid above average regular catcher that maybe could tap into a little bit more if the hit tool continues to develop the high walk rate, above average defense, improved receiving skills, and ability to throw runners out will all give him a very high floor and a good chance to be an above average regular behind the dish. Rounding it out for this part one episode here is my number five prospect in the system. Actually, I take that back. My number four prospect in the system, excuse me, Ed Howard, shortstop, 16th overall pick in 2020 by the Chicago Cubs, a local kid, Loved that pick for them. Just a Chicago kid who could instantly become a fan favorite. I mean, he led Chicago's Jackie Robinson West to the Little League World Series back in the day. I literally remember that. So it makes me feel incredibly old that one of those kids from that Little League World Series team is now getting drafted in the first round this past year and is one of the better prospects, shortstop prospects in baseball and quickly rising. I think that he's going to have some minor growing pains at the plate as he gets to the higher levels, but I think that to put a ceiling on Howard's offensive profile is ridiculous. But let's start with the glove first real quick because that's his calling card and that's really what got him selected here at 16th overall and got him over $3 million to sign him away from his Oklahoma commitment. A 6'2", 185-pound shortstop that moves really well. I think he's incredibly rangy, is able to make all the throws, even on his back foot, across his body, whatever the arm angle is, he can make that throw. He's incredibly twitchy, which allows him to get to hard hit balls, move his feet quickly, and just be rangy of a shortstop pairing with that arm. It is a good combination. He has those instincts at short from what I've seen. I think that he has gold glove caliber defense ability at shortstop, which again is the pure value that you were getting here in the first round and the big calling card for him. But I think you pair that already established glove with a lot of upside at the plate and still a lot to figure out for him. You could end up really cashing in here at 16 with Ed Howard. Of course, if he does not make those developments offensively, then you still have a really good defensive shortstop. So a higher end or higher floor, excuse me, type of high school shortstop where you don't find guys like that every day. He's no slouch at the plate though. He has a really good feel for the strike zone. He's got quick hands. That twitchiness makes its way into the batter's box with his upper body where he's able to generate some impressive bat speed. The question with him is the lower half where I have seen some improvements with that lower half from his high school time to some time now in between where some video was shown to me from Brian Smith from Cubs Prospects, where I came across that on Twitter, where you could see the difference between Howard's swing in high school and his swing now, where he definitely had some focus on getting into his lower half a bit more, because before, his lower half was pretty non-existent. He was not using the ground at all to generate power or leverage. Still, like I said, he's not a slouch at all with the plate. So to put a ceiling on a guy that really isn't even using his lower half, is 19 years old, has so much time to figure it out, has that quick twitch strength and ability, has the bat speed, 
a good feel for the strike zone. I just don't understand why people are already saying, oh yeah, so I, I expect 260 and 15 home runs. How can you just project that for a guy that hasn't played a single professional baseball game yet? Let's take a step back here and just watch this kid develop. I know we live in a world where we need projections and you can say on the low end that that could be the projection if he doesn't make any major adjustments. But given the fact that Howard has been recognized for his extremely impressive work ethic, his determination and hard work all around, it's not surprising either that he already was showing a willingness to make those adjustments and improve that lower half. It did look better. He had more of a gather in his load with his front leg to get him into the back hip a bit a bit more, and it definitely helped him. And he was impacting the ball a little bit more, but he wasn't keeping the weight in that back hip as long as he needed to. So even though he was getting into the backside more, he was still shifting that weight forward a bit too early, but we're nitpicking a 19-year-old swing. He's going to have more than enough time to figure it out, and the fact that he is already on that road to improvement leads me to believe that you cannot put a ceiling on this guy's offensive profile given that he's such a good athlete, given that he's an above-average runner, and that he has that impressive plate recognition and mature approach and work ethic. His impressive defensive ability and his athleticism should take some of that pressure off the bat, even if he is only a 260 hitter that hits 15 to 18 home runs. He is still going to be an above average regular at shortstop with that glove. But if Howard can continue to get that lower half more incorporated, generate more leverage in the swing and find some more consistency and use the ground better, then all of a sudden we're looking at a totally different ball player. That's why I'm excited to see what Howard can do. And we just have to wait and see before we really start projecting what his offensive profile could be. But the athleticism and ability is there. Looking forward to watching Howard in his first professional season this coming year where we can see where he's at development-wise and how this COVID year was for him as an opportunity to improve on some of those swing mechanics and continue to get better. Because again, the work ethic, if all of those reports are true, then a COVID year is an opportunity for a guy like Ed Howard to really separate himself. I hope you enjoyed part one here of this Cubs farm system breakdown. Part two coming up tomorrow with some more prospects in the Cubs system that I'm looking forward to going through. If you're new to the show here, Cubs fans that may have not listened to the show before, I interviewed just a week ago Cubs right-handed pitching prospect Joe Nahas, who broke the record for undrafted free agent signing bonus. The Cubs had never given a maximum signing bonus to an undrafted free agent until Joe Nahas. Really cool interview with him, and he is a very interesting prospect in the Cubs system that I think you should have an eye out for if you're a Cubs fan or just a fan of minor league baseball in general. I would really appreciate also if you could throw me a rating on the podcast. It helps me immensely. I really appreciate all the support and appreciate you listening to this podcast because it has been so much fun for me to be able to talk prospects with you and grow this show. Definitely one of the silver linings from this season off in the minor leagues. Thank you as always for listening and I look forward to talking about the Cubs system in part two with you tomorrow.